This is the Don't Forget to Breathe podcast. In these episodes, we discuss grief, emotions, mental health, loss, trauma, and death of loved ones. There may be triggers that touch pain and other emotions within you. We just want you to be aware before you listen. We hope this podcast will help you on your journey to emotional health. Welcome to Don't Forget to Breathe. I'm Bruce Barker. This is a continuation of the wedding season and where we had, we've had a little bit of technical difficulty when we were recording in Nashville. Again, you'll kind of notice echoes here and there. And um, and then in the second segment, we had the computer completely go down. So we'll try to make the transition as easy as possible for you. But we're going to continue our conversation um, that Rena and I were having, and it's basically picking up where we left off with should someone invite you, you know, to to a happy occasion during your journey of grief, and we're both saying, yeah, send the invitation and let it be on us. Let it be on the person who is going through that particular season, and. Uh, that we're not expecting you to own it, and it's up to us. Sometimes we'll accept, sometimes we won't. So here's the continuation of our original conversation, part two of the wedding season. You know, it just struck me too that we kind of have similar thoughts on it. It's it's almost like let me, allow me to have the control over my grief. And my process. Don't try and take responsibility of it for me. Right. Because with grief, so much is out of our control, right? And with the deaths of our kids, it was so much out of our control. And the grieving process, we need to be allowed. We need to be allowed our process. We need to be allowed to 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 do it and walk through it in the way that we need to, in the timing that we need to. And not have anybody try and own it for us or or take control of it because everything else feels so out of control. And we never know when the grief wave is going to hit us and we never really know when the good moments are going to be present. And when the good moments come, we kind of want to run with them and have the option of having them and not having that taken away by somebody else. So... Every, I mean, every, everyone's path um, is going to be different. Mm-hmm. I mean, while while... You know, we may all be aligned on parallel paths. Each path itself is different and unique. I mean, so let's say that it is, you know, as we're talking about weddings, let's say it's a wedding planner mm-hmm. who lost a child. Right. Does that mean they, sorry, your career's over too? Because right. you are not going to be allowed to plan right. these special, wonderful events. Right. Like that's taking something away from them. Now, how long do, is it before they they feel comfortable and and strong enough to do that? Don't know. That's their journey. Right. But doesn't disqualify them and go. Well, I guess you can't. Right. You know, because this is your job is is all about joy, creating joy, mm-hmm. and you're grieving. So, um, 
So just the same way, I don't think anyone would, would discount and disqualify that person and say, I'm sorry, you are no longer right. a wedding planner. Right. Yeah. Um, it's let them at their own pace, their own speed mm -hmm. and their own um, comfort level go through their own journey. So I, you know, couldn't say, is it take six months off, a year off, two years off, 10 years? Off? I have no idea. Yeah. It's not my journey. And or it's not my no responsibility. Just allow them to be where, just where jump they're up. at. Right. Exactly. Right. It's there. And and all those, those are just individual paths. I mean, I, I know that I think we've talked about it and I think it's pretty commonplace. And, you know, for listeners who have, ex, have experienced or uh, investigated or researched or whatever, looking up the whole grief process, the grief cycle or whatever. One of the first things that you learn is that the grief is not the same for everyone. No. The cycle is not the same for everyone. Nope. And it's not Everything linear. Everything is so, right. And it's not, not linear. not linear. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. No, not at all. And that it is, um, so you can't, that it is very individual. Yeah, you can't own anybody else's journey. And that does everybody such a disservice to try and project your own experience onto somebody else or try to own somebody else's or try to shape somebody else's. Um, even when I do grief recovery programs with folks, I need to allow for their own unique individual, even as we're going through the steps and learning new tools. Mm -hmm. um, it is very much a unique experience of it. It is never the same with two clients. It is completely different. Um, and I need to honor that. And I need to also never project my own experience onto a client's experience because we don't know. What I do know is that I don't like when that's done to me. Right. So I always need to hold space for everybody else's and ask with curiosity, you know, what is your experience with this? Um, I'm not an expert in anybody else's grief journey. I'm just here to hold sacred space and maybe provide some new tools to complete the emotional communi communication that needs to take place. But yeah, there's, there's no owning anybody else's journey. Yeah. And, you know, and I think to piggyback on that, I can, I, until I started doing this, this podcast, and then we started working together. Um, one of the things that I know I did many times um, is you might see on the news, um, a news program, uh, of whatever, of parents who've lost a child, mm -hmm. right? So whether it's a sudden loss or whether it's whatever, there's news stories mm -hmm. um, every every TV station, you know, in, in a local area or national, if it's a celebrity, right. you know, that we recognize that has lost a child. And then, and I know I have watched, especially those that it was the next day mm -hmm. and how they're talking and answering questions. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how could you possibly do that? Right. Like, and, and even to the, to the point of being judgmental, like, mm -hmm really mm -hmm. like I would not even be able to function. I couldn't now. I don't know if I could or not. I just know that because it was really a fog, right. everything was a fog. Right. Um, you know, as I talked about in season one, 
but that, you know, looking back, that was so judgmental. And again, I don't know. Right. They could they could be having this, answering those questions, do whatever, and have zero recollection right. of that conversation, like none, uh-huh. doesn't exist, uh-huh. don't remember, uh-huh. because whatever was was controlling that the uh, the emotion or whatever, mm-hmm. you know that. But I know I've done that where I've looked and go, how could how could they answer those questions right. and and not just you know, right. just burst into tears. Like, how could you, you know, that, again, questioning and trying to to project and own someone else's. Exactly. So right. that, so I've learned not to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it was, I couldn't tell you how many times. Because you certainly, once you've lost a child, that news story catches your attention really fast. And, and... I know I've said, uh, another one, Yeah, you know, and where it might not have been so apparent before, but then once you're experiencing it, then, then everything gets your attention. Yeah. There's a connector there. There's, there's a, an empathy maybe. And I've had said to me many times, folks who've said, um, I wouldn't be able to do it. I don't know how you do it. I wouldn't be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And I always respond the same way. It's, I didn't know I could do it either until I, I needed to. And I hope you never do. Exactly. I wouldn't want anybody to know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it used to hit me before I'd done the grief recovery work. Again, it was, I used to think, am I not supposed to be able to do it? Right. Well, am I yeah. failing at something? Wait, is it a measure of something if I'm if I'm thriving after my three boys dying? Like, where's the judgment? Um, right. I couldn't do it. Well, are you saying that you love your kids more than I could possibly have loved mine because you couldn't function after they died? It's mm-hmm. it's almost like this judgment, this separation sure. of, well, I couldn't do it. What does that even mean? Right. I couldn't do it. I didn't ever know I could do it either until I had to. And then as each boy died, it was a matter of, can I do this again? Can I do this again? Because it's taken me this amount of work to get to this point. Right. And then, and then the presumption, you know, I was in a space of absolute presumption. I don't know if we talked about this, but Mm -hmm. I was in a space of presumption as in, well, if you lost one child, one child died. I'm not going to say lost because I didn't lose him. He died. So if one child dies, it couldn't possibly be that another child would die. So I felt like I had an inbuilt protection. Sure. Yeah. So it's not like I relaxed into it or something because on one hand, it's that conflicting place of, well, I know it can happen. So I can't presume it wouldn't happen. But at the same time, I felt like it was so horrific. There was an inbuilt protection. It couldn't possibly happen to me again. So then when David died, that was two. And then I would say to myself, well, at least I've still got two kids. You know, again, that, intellectual fact thing trying to prevent me from feeling the absolute horror of, Mm -hmm. well, I still have two, but two are gone. But then again, thinking, 
I was safe with the two, that it couldn't possibly happen again, that I would lose a third child. So, so narrator Bruce jumping in right now. So this is where we lost power to a computer, um, but we managed to get everything um, hooked back up and running and jumped right back in. So here's the continuation of our conversation. Okay. Okay. We'll we can just jump go back, back in. into where we were. Yeah. 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 Um, so we were chatting about, um, yeah, feeling kind of sort of conflicted, feeling um, like I was protected in some way from losing more kids and then, you know, losing all three of the boys just kind of, kind of did away with that thought, you know, so, or protection feeling. And so do you think, so when someone says that to you of, I, you know, there's the, I can't imagine, but, you know, and then there's the, there's no way I could. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that, because it is, it is a terrifying thought. Mm-hmm. If you have a child and you have not lost a child, it is truly a terrifying thought. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that is their Like when they say that, when they when they say that, is it just their way of trying to relate to instead of saying, um, "I know how you feel" because you right. don't, right? Is that their version of saying, "I have a child," and and if that happened, so I couldn't do that, or I wouldn't be able to survive, or whatever? Mm-hmm. Do you think is that just another way of saying trying to relate? as a parent to say, I know how you feel. Do you think like, I think that's a great question. And, and again, I think it would take asking several people, like, what does that mean for you? Um, my thought is, um, it's a way of distancing themselves from the imagination that something could ever happen to their child. Because if they did imagine that, then they'd have to imagine how they would cope. Right. And nobody wants to think about oh, yeah, how no. they would cope about right. that because it is so horrifying and terrifying and and all of that. And again, it, I feel it's kind of a protective thing. It's a distancing mm. uh, as in, nope, I couldn't do that because I just couldn't do that. And I don't even want to think about having to do that because I can't imagine anything happening to my child because, you know we would go out of our way to do anything to protect our kids. Oh, sure. So to imagine, you know, not getting a chance to do that. Um, But it comes with almost a judgment, you know? Yeah. Um, And again, when we go through grief recovery, we always say stay out of headspace because, because it's the wrong tool to feel the heart. So... And the heart just feels, you know, pain and loss. So, yeah. And as we've, um, as we've been doing this, and I've been learning about um, this process and and the headspace versus heart space, 
it's super easy on the headspace mm-hmm. to get caught there and stay mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it will just jack you up. I mean, I had, there was a friend of mine who had, had lost his wife and early on, I think, and it might've been in the, in the first couple of weeks, he reached out and he said, the only thing I'm going to say to you is if you, if you start going down the road of what if, could I have any of those? He said, turn and go the other way. Mm-hmm. He said, cause that is not a road you want to go down. Cause it right. is, there is nothing there but darkness. So I think now I see that as he's basically saying without knowing it, don't get in your headspace because that's where that is. Right. Headspace will pull us away from feeling the heart space. Yeah. And it's the wrong tool for the job. And these were all things that I only learned through grief recovery because, again, we're not taught the tools to lose anything. (laughs) We're not. Um, I'd love to see this program or these tools being taught to kids the entire way along so that we weren't just passing on these this misinformation about grief and right. using the wrong tool for the job. You know, the heart speaks emotions and that's what cries out to be validated and heard and seen and witnessed, right? And the brain will keep pulling us away from going towards that pain. So, and it will use anything possible you know, even unhealthy as we talk about the stirbs, right? The short term right. emotion relieving behaviors. So just being willing to get into that heart space um, was what transformed things for me and being willing to give a voice to the heart and not go down that rabbit hole of, mm-hmm. of the words, you know? And, and I know that the, the, I guess the, the theme you might say, or the category that, you know, that our podcast, you know, has been put in as, as on the, the grief recovery for parents who've lost a child. But to sidetrack a little bit, the grief recovery that you are talking about and saying that if it's much more mainstream and be able to teach our kids and, and teach the kids out there right now is because this isn't just about losing a child. This is grief, period. And you think about with um, the effects of the pandemic, and and I'm saying aside from loss of mm-hmm. friends and family mm-hmm. as a direct result of that, mm-hmm. but those kids that lost their 2020 graduation, yes. they lost their freshman year of college, yes. or yeah, um, or being together in a classroom, right? like all of those things, that's everything that, that that they've experienced. And I would suspect that they're not equipped with a lot of tools. Nope. Nor our parents or teachers, right? right? To but teach to, be, them. to right. be able to, like there's a lot, I think it's, it's, it's a, across the board, every subject, every person, there is, and with losing a job, losing mm-hmm. a business mm-hmm. that you, mm-hmm. losing losing a place that you've worked at for many right. years. I mean, there's the grief is across the board um, that's directly related to the pandemic. Right. There's that. And then there's loss of trust, loss of safety, 
There's multiple different, there's more than 40 different kinds of losses. There are folks who've lost their pets because they lost their home. They're, mm-hmm. They're, mm-hmm. There's just loss. There's a whole lot of loss the last year on, on a huge level. Um, loss of safety in the world, globally. Yeah. Uh, loss of freedom. It's a big one for the last year. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we are not equipped with the tools. We have never been taught the tools how to lose things in a healthy way. And that involves really getting into the heart space and using the right tool for the job. And, um, yeah, being willing to go towards that and to name those emotions and to have help and support through it, you know, with somebody who can teach you the tools or hold a space for that. Um, so, yeah, it really has been, it's been such a, a, a gift for me to be, to have been offered the grief recovery process, which initially, as you know, I turned down. Yeah. Nah, mm-hmm. I've been there, done that, have the t-shirt. Yeah. Thanks very much. Give that to someone else, you know, yeah. only to realize that my heart space was not in a space where it could do that. So um, I didn't have the tools. So how would, you can wave a magic wand. How do you get, how do you get that? How, do, how, how is the word spread? How can this process, how can more people learn about it, know about it? Because, I mean, I didn't until we talked, right? How do we get the word out? Yeah. How do we let people know? And I love that. And I think we do it through the podcast, right? Mm -hmm. And I think you and I do it too, through holding space for folks to get in touch with their hearts and for for trying to reach people's hearts in a safe place with no judgment and no projecting and no saying that folks have to feel a certain way. Um, There's a website called the grief recovery method um, where you can find somebody in your area. Mm -hmm. And then the other lovely thing that I notice is that because folks are being trained or are going through the program, And it's like you and I said, you know, we've all done the other, we've all used the wrong tools, right, before with ourselves and with others, right? Mm -hmm. Because I know for sure, and I take ownership of the fact that I would have used those old phrases with people too, right, in the past, the intellectual facts, oh, he's in a better place, or he's not hurting now, or whatever, right? I know for sure I would have, because that was an imprinted tool right? I didn't have the other tools in my toolbox to pull out. Um, So now even folks who've been through the program with me know then how to use that space with others. So there's kind of a ripple effect. And then telling other people about their experience, you know, hey, I've been through grief recovery. And Um, some folks are now getting trained. Some folks who've been through it with me are now getting trained as grief recovery specialists, Mm -hmm. um, which is lovely because then together we can reach more people. Um, so just even using the right tools ourselves. Now I would never dream about saying to somebody, I know how you feel because I don't know how anybody feels. Even if I met another mom tomorrow who was exactly the same age as I was and was from Ireland and who had three boys die, I don't know how she feels. Right. We might have had the same life experience. I don't know how she feels at all. What I can best offer her is a remembrance of how I felt 
at the time and be empathetic and hold space for her own experience. But I can't own hers because I've had a similar experience. So just even being able to do that in the world changes the dynamic. Um, Just being able to hold the space. But yeah, I love the question. Yeah, how do we do it? And with this program, so we're not... um, you know, as and, and in fact, at the very beginning of season two, um, when you were coming on board, the one thing that um, that you had said to me in the in the introduction part was that you're not a grief counselor. Nope, not at all. So, um, I think that so basically, this training. Mm-hmm is really available to anyone. Right. Um, so our, the listeners of our podcast, it can be you, it could be anyone. Mm-hmm. So this is not, okay, I've got to go um, to college and I've got to take these classes and I, or I've got to right. go to community college. We're not talking that mm-hmm. route. We're not talking nope. that. Nope. So we are talking about a grief recovery specialist. Mm-hmm. And so if, if, if what we have been talking about and, and the descriptions that Rena has said this season, if it resonates with you and you think that that needs to, that other people do and need to know this program and how this program works and they themselves or you yourself to be in a position to, um, uh, spread this right. and help more people because we know um, that the grief, again, as we've talked about, so many areas across the board, mm-hmm. it is not just about losing a child, that people need help and to be able to do it the right way. I say the right way. That's not the right thing to say, but I'm, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, like, I hear you. Yeah. Um, it's one of in the a ways, healthy for sure. way, right? For sure, with with different tools, different tools, right? Different right. Tools. to have those tools that we don't have. We're not. Right. It's not like there's a, you know, you just get this. Oh, you're gonna know. These are the right. right. These are these are the are the things to say that, like we don't we don't have that. But with this program, right, and this training, not only does it help the person going through it. Right. But then to get that person in a position to guide or help or walk alongside right. others, right? For sure, yeah. Um and and the thing is a lot of um so I'm not a counselor, I used to be a nurse. Um so a lot of the folks who were in my class, my training class, were counselors, uh social workers, nurses, um, nurses who work in hospice. Um and the thing is, when somebody is in counseling with a counselor, uh, when they realize they need to do grief work, the counselor cannot mix the grief recovery work with other counseling. So it's paused and then they do the grief recovery because it is such a specific seven to eight week program. Mm-hmm. So, and it's very standalone. So this is a certification that counselors actually add to their counseling work so that they can do specialist grief work. 
because this is a very specialized tool-based program. Um, and so, and as I said, social workers will do it also and social nurses so that they will be able to have the correct tools to, you know, walk alongside people with their grief. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, yeah, it's a very specific program. So, so if it resonates mm-hmm. with you as a listener, reach out to Rena, reach out to us. Yeah. Um, so you, I can tell you that it will help you. And then what you, you may be able to do with that for someone else. Right. I couldn't even, can't even go there, but I think right. it would be a beautiful thing. Cause I know for me, the time I've spent talking with Rena, whether it's recording a podcast or the hours <laughs> before and after, and again, you'll get to hear some of that has absolutely certainly helped me. And here I am. 14 years down the road and would I have liked to have had this way before now? Absolutely. Would my wife and my boys, would they have loved for me to be in a better position to be a better parent and husband and friend to them years ago? Absolutely. So, I mean, that is, that is the past. There is nothing to do about that, but be where I am now and go from here in the future so with new tools new tools new tools yeah all right well we're going to wrap up our in-person session um we had a couple of technical glitches so we'll hopefully this is going to i'll be able to edit that out and you'll you will have just completed a smooth um listening experience on your podcast And until next time, thanks for listening.